Hello and welcome back to Leader Up, a podcast of Army Management Staff College. Leader Up is a professional conversation where we discuss a broad range of leadership and leader development topics with an emphasis on the Army civilian professional. I'm your host, David Howey. And Leader Up audience, uh, today we have an absolutely excellent guest. I'm really excited about having this gentleman with us today and about the conversation we're going to have about leadership and just some other exciting, fun topics. And our guest, I'll introduce him now. This is Command Sergeant Major Sean Carnes. And Command Sergeant Major Carnes is the Command Sergeant Major of First Corps. And so, Command Sergeant Major Carnes, thank you so much for being with us today on Leader Up. I really look forward to talking with you today. Hey, thank you, David, and uh, to you know your Leader Up podcast. Uh, and, and I'm very excited uh, to be able to talk to you and the audience um, about leadership today. And I want to start, uh, Sergeant Major, with maybe a little bit of your background, kind of your journey to being in the United States Army, your background, some of the things you've done, and then maybe what what got you into the Army when you first decided to enlist? Right. Um, no, I appreciate that. So I enlisted in the Army in 1992. Um, and how did I come to coming in the Army? So on my father's side, a lot of my uh, aunts and uncles have been in the military, Air Force, Army, Navy. Uh, so I, I just had a, you know, a knack and like, hey, I wanted to be in a service. And so it was interesting. Uh, when I first come in, you know, my uh, uncle was in the Air Force and a good friend of mine went in the Air Force. And I said, hey, I'm going to try Air Force. I, I didn't know the big differences yet. You know, I was still, you know, coming out of high school. And so I was like, okay, let, let me go check out the Air Force. So, you know, I was checking out the Air Force and everything like that. And one day I happened to go in the recruiting office. Uh, this was after a couple, you know, dialogues with the Air Force. And I was walking in the Air Force, you know, recruiter, he wasn't there. So I was walking out and the Army, you know, recruiter standing by his door. He said, hey, so what you doing? I said, um, you know, I just got, you know, the Air Force, you know, recruiter's not down there. He goes, hey, did you ever think about the Army? And I said, no, uh, but it's not out of my, you know, realm. And he goes, come on in here. <laughs> and he goes, hey, in the Air Force, you know, we are, in the Army, we have this big book of all these MOSs, right? And he said, what do you like to do? And I said, you know, I love being outside. You know, it's it probably you did too when you were growing up. We love to be outside, run around the woods. He goes, I got the perfect MOS for you. He played the Airborne Ranger video for me. David, hook, line, and sinker. I was like, where do I sign on the dotted line, right? He was like, I was probably his easiest recruit ever. <laughs> so, you know, so, you know, I go, you know, basically signed the Army. The Air Force guy, he was all upset that the Army stole me, but I didn't care. I was excited to come in the Army, um, be, you know, in the infantry, uh, Airborne Ranger. So it was an exciting time for me. So I enlisted in 1992. And um, so go through basic training. And um, so, you know, they say, hey, you're going to be an 11 Mike. After, you know, everyone knew there was 11 Bravos, 11 Mike. 
And I had no clue what 11 Mike was besides it had to deal with this big tank that I thought was a tank. Now I understand it's a Bradley, right? And mechanized infantry. And uh, they're like, you, 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 go 11 Mike. And I was like, okay, whatever you tell me to do, Joel Sarn, just like Forrest Gump, right? Whatever you tell me to do, Joel Sarn. Um, because I always look at everything as an opportunity to learn and grow. No matter what you do, Right. Everyone, all you know, when they try to do some changes or something that they might not like, they get the negative mindset. Instead, create a positive mindset and use it as an opportunity. So I go from basic training down to Fort Hood, Texas, and enjoyed my time down there working, you know, with the Bradleys, working with, you know, the mechanized infantry, learned a lot, a lot, you know, about, you know, leadership what to do and obviously what not to do because obviously you know the deal there's some there's some leaders out there you you look at them you're like okay i don't want to do that right um and then from there i i re-enlisted and uh went to fort bragg north carolina went to airborne school and uh went up there to fort bragg north carolina again a great experience different experience you know going from mechanized to an airborne uh unit different experience uh you know so I enjoyed my time up there, especially, you know, they're always on the go, and I like that. Uh, jumping out of aircrafts, loved it. And, you know, went to Ranger School, went to Pathfinder School while I was at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. And uh, from Fort Bragg, North Carolina, went over to Korea. Uh, again, you know, a lot of people in my ear saying, hey, Korea is horrible, Korea is horrible. And I was like, you know, I'm going to go over there and experience it and use it as an opportunity. Uh, I was in the Long Range Surveillance Detachment in Korea. Um, and two under two ID and uh, again got out seen Korea enjoyed Korea loved Korea uh, a great experience it's a lot of people don't get that experience uh, and then from Korea I came back to the States and I went to fourth RTV as a ranger instructor from being a ranger instructor uh, then I went to uh, Fort Carson Colorado uh, that was just you know 9-11 time period so, you know, when I was an RI, 9-11 happened. I was supposed to go to Fort Stewart, Georgia. Instead, you know, we all got stop lost. And I was like on the phone every single day uh, when I was at, you know, RTB saying, hey, I want to go uh, to, you know, a unit, right, to deploy. Because here's the deal, Dave. When I come in the military, I came in the military to defend our country. It had nothing to do with money. I wanted to be in the military and I wanted to defend our country. And this was an opportunity for me to do that. So I was on the phone like every single day uh, for a whole year. And finally I said, hey, you're going to go to Fort Carson. I didn't even, you know, I was married at the time. I didn't even ask the wife. I said, let's go. And then I was like, hey, where's Fort Carson? <laughs> I didn't even know it was in Colorado, right? And um, so I go home and, you know, tell the wife we're going to Fort Carson, Colorado, which she was happy with. She was ready to go into our next assignment. So I went to Fort uh, Carson, Colorado, um, and uh, my first battalion sergeant major, sergeant major of the Army retired daily, was my battalion sergeant major. What a great honor to serve at, under him and a great mentor of mine. So he, he was my battalion sergeant major at 1-8 Infantry, uh, did uh, three deployments there at uh, Fort Carson, Colorado, uh, enjoyed my time, and then uh, from there... I went to uh, Fort Stewart, Georgia. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, I went to Italy uh, from there. So after my third uh, deployment, I was like, okay, it's time for me to go into a new unit. And uh, they're like, hey, we have, uh, you know, 173rd. Do you want to go? I said, heck yeah, right? 
Um, and my wife was excited to go to Italy. So we went over there. I did one deployment with them to Afghanistan um, and then came back from Italy as a battalion sergeant major at 315 Infantry at Fort Stewart, Georgia. Um, and then here's here's uh, interest in, in my career. I have not gone down the normal path that you might, you know, that if you want to call it a stovepipe uh, kind of path. I went all around the beaten path on my military career. Again, as I go back using that as opportunity, I didn't have an operational brigade. I was going, went down to JT Bravo in Honduras as my brigade saw major time. Um, and but the one thing you again use as an opportunity. I am one of the you know few uh, command saw majors that actually have done joint and inoperability at an early part in my career, and a great. Mentor of mine, SEAC retired, John Wayne Troxel, uh, came down and seen me uh, when I was down there. And, uh, you know, so the first thing he asked me was, hey, what are you doing with, you know, the Honduran military and, and obviously Central America? And I kind of laid out some of the things I was doing. He goes, you're good. I'm happy you're doing stuff um, because I was about to chew your butt if you weren't type of deal. Right. Because, you know, John Wayne Troxel and uh, and, and he told me. He's like, hey, don't worry that you kind of went off the beaten path. You're one of the few uh, senior non-commissioned officers that have joint and interoperability in their background, which is going to help you. So I've done mechanized. I've done light infantry. I've done airborne infantry. I've done joint. I've done interoperability by the time I was a brigade sergeant major. There's there are very few who have done all that, right? Which helps out because then that helps out the Army to be able to put me in different positions uh, because I understand it. Um, and then so from JTL Bravo, then I went to Fort Leavenworth, Kansas as a command sergeant major development program lead. Of course, that's where I met uh, you, David, and, uh, you know, both you and Larry Wilson, great friends and mentors of mine, uh, you know. And so I enjoyed my time there instructing sergeant majors, battalion and brigade level uh, to get prepared to go into position uh, from Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. I got my first nominative uh, job was down at CJTFOA. So down in uh, uh, Djibouti, Africa, Horn of Africa, uh, you know, Camp Lemonnier, loved it down there with uh, Major General Trello. And then from there, uh, General Gillen over at 2ID uh, selected me to be the 2nd Infantry Division Command Sergeant Major. So went back to Korea uh, again. You know, uh, the family loved Korea. I love Korea. And uh, it was a great time over at 2ID. And then. You know, the dear Lord blessed me uh, with, you know, General uh, Brunson selected me as the first Corps Command Sergeant Major and which the current position I'm in now. Um, so that's kind of how I got in the military and then the different aspects. And I just tell everyone, don't be upset if you go off the beaten path. Don't be upset if you don't have the operational brigade, um, you know, and that you don't have an operational division, that you have some other two-star position. It's okay Right. Use as an opportunity to grow and learn and, you know, keep yourself uh, knowledgeable and up to date on what's going on. And you will be fine in the military. There are different opportunities for you. Uh, just, you know, keep that positive mindset and use everything as an opportunity to learn as you go along. And just and I think what you're saying is just keep shopping, keep shopping at that tree and uh, don't despair. And when you get put somewhere, do the absolute best job you can, and uh, the chips will fall the way they're supposed to fall. 
as long as you're doing what, what you're supposed to be doing. One thing you said, Command Sergeant Major, uh, that I'm encouraged about is that they, as a former tanker, that they did make it clear that Bradleys are not tanks. I'm glad that they did that <laughs> uh, for you young 11, uh, 11 mics out there. So I, w- I want to talk to you today about something I've heard you I've heard you talk about this in some of our classes, and the, the phrase is leadership as a relationship. And so just what does that mean, and what does that look like, leadership as a relationship? Yeah, so, you know, we have the, the definition ADP 6S22 leadership, I, I, but I, I've taken it a step further, and I say leadership is a relationship built on inspiration, trust, serving, and caring for others, right? As we talk about trust in the military in 112 times in ADP 6-22, but not in our definition. And I think it should be in our definition of leadership. Um, so it, leadership is a relationship. And, and what I mean by that, because that's how you build the trust. That's how you get the inspiration. That's how you serve and care for others. You got to build a relationship with your soldiers. I, you know, and personally and professionally. Now, I'm not saying personally you're going hanging out in the club with them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that you are getting to know that person in and out. You know, hey, is he or she married? Do they have kids? Hey, what's their family? Where are they from? What's their hobbies? You know, and I can continue to go on to include their goals. Right. That's sometimes what we fail to get. Hey, what's our goals? Because you help them in meeting some of their goals. Wow. That's powerful. And, you know, that is how how we retain the talent. You help them uh, get to one of their goals. That's huge. That's huge. And then, you know, what's their expectations while in the military and what's their expectations of you? Right. Uh, That's building a relationship, being authentic being open, being empathetic, right, Um, and helping them and caring for them. Because then, as we talk about the professional side of it, you know, you are helping them to master their craft and master the fundamentals in the professional side. But we've got to know them personally to be able to understand, hey, how am I going to coach, teach, mentor him professionally, right? Because then that's where you're building the trust you're building the inspiration that they want to get out of bed every day to come to work because, hey, I love my team leader. I love my leadership. And you are serving and caring for others by doing that. That's how we're going to retain talent, right? That's how we're going to retain talent. And then, you know, as we talk about the talent, you know, it's also, hey, it's okay to celebrate talent, right? Give them a little pat on the back when they do something good. I had a uh, good team leader, Sergeant Johnson. When I was at uh, Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and we did a 25-mile ruck, uh, ruck march. And and we used to do this, you know, quarterly at Bragg. And, you know, the deal is when, you know, one unit does it faster than the other, then that unit has to come back and beat that time of the next unit. So we go out and do this 25-mile foot march. Um, and, you know, a lot of people falling out. A lot of people falling out. And, you know, I, I, I you know, I was always taught by Son Johnson, Son First Cuts Free, one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. You're going to get blisters. It's going to suck. Just one foot in front of the other. And that's what I did. And I completed. There was probably about five, ten of us in, I'm sorry, five to six of us that completed it out of our squad that day. Um, And then a whole lot of other people fell out. And we get done and and Sean Johnson said, hey, come here. I want to counsel you. Guess what? 
First thing I thought, you know, as everyone does, it's negative. We always think when we're going to a counseling session as a negative. We need it again. And then I, I was like, okay, boop. Let me let me think about this because this is a development piece for me to get developed, even if it is negative, right? Even if it's positive, there's a development piece to that to help you out. So I go go in there um, into our area, little uh, you know team room that we had. And, you know, he counseled me and he said, hey, I just wanted to counsel you that you did a good job today and you made the foot march. I'm proud of you. Wow, David. Wow, David. You don't, you just don't know what that meant to me when he did that. My chest got pumped out a little bit. I was like, yeah, yeah, right? Type of deal. Things like that, again, is what's going to have soldiers sign on the dotted line when it comes time to reenlistment, right? They remember things like that. Um, they remember whenever we care for them. They remember that whenever we help them with goals. They remember that whenever, you know, we're counseling them and we pat them on the back and celebrate talent. Give them a little pat on the back. I'm not saying everyone gets an award. That's not what I'm saying. But you pat them on the back and say, good job. You know, I appreciate that. Or even better yet, you know, when you're talking to them, I trust you. I trust you. Wow. Right. Them are powerful words. And we, we just got to get back to that a little bit. And that is what building a relationship. As you can see, you build that relationship. You're going to have a remarkable team, a remarkable squad, a remarkable platoon. And there's kind of a uh, it. I don't know if it's a human dynamic or something, uh, some artifact of our culture. But I think sometimes we make the assumption that people are already aware of the quote unquote positive or supportive feedback that we have for them, that they all, we just think they already know that. So I don't need to tell them that, but if I'm going to give them feedback, I need to give them feedback about uh, all the stuff that they need to get better at. But you're right. I mean that just taking somebody off to the side and saying, Hey, I, I saw what you did. I was impressed. And you did an excellent job on that is an incredibly powerful gift. And that, to me, that is a trust building when I know that my leader isn't looking at me critically, but they're looking at me to, to see the good things, to see, see something to celebrate uh, in, uh, in what I've done. And uh, I agree with you. It is extremely powerful. So maybe some ex other experiences that you've had or some other ways that that you uh, have used to build and cultivate relationships, some things that you've seen and gone through. You know, and so also building a relationship, you got to be present, right? You got to be present among your formation. It's kind of easy when you're a team leader, when you're a squad leader, when you're a platoon song, but once you start moving up first on and above, you kind of get away and not away, but you you know you have other things that you have to look at, right? Um, as a first on and above. So you know what what I tell everyone is number one thing is you know plan your day, right? Have a plan so you can be present among your formation, right? Because everyone's busy. Got it. Understand that, right? But it's called time management. There's 1,440 minutes in a day. You got to plan out your day. And give your day time to go among your formation. Because emails, emails will suck the life out of you if you let them. I mean, shoot, if I sit here and do emails, guess what? Another one will pop in. Another one will pop in. And by the time you get done, you look at the clock. It's been like three to four hours. You're like, well, I missed everything today. 
And so you've got to plan your emails, when to do emails, so you're present among your formation. Um, and, you know, I get out and about, I, I tell everyone all the time, I said, hey, I check emails in the morning, just real quick to see everything's hot. If the rest of the day I'm gone, either meetings or I'm, I'm out among our formation, being present, talking to soldiers. And, and when you're out there being present, you, again, as I talked about being authentic, about opening up, right, um, about being empathetic. I, I go down to formations and I have my little ranger chair and I'll plop it down and I'll just sit down and talk to them and have a conversation, right? It, it's amazing when you open up and you're authentic and you just have a conversation with them, the stuff they would tell you, right? And then we're, we, you know, as we talk about development, I'm developing them just having a conversation, but then they're also developing me. Right, because I'm learning about the organization, what's going on, and how can I help from my level to make our organization better. Um, but yeah, I sit down there and be present with them, just have a conversation. You know, as we talk these hard conversations, there's not no such thing as a hard conversation. Just have a conversation. Be authentic with them. Open up to them. Be empathetic. Right. Listen to them. Right. And as we talk about active listening. We also got to hear them, right? We're, we're good about automatically having the solution as people are talking or getting ready to talk before they even finish what they're talking about instead of hearing what they're saying, right? And then have a conversation off what you heard, uh, not, hey, I got the solution for that. Instead, it's better not, hey, ask questions. So guess what? Both of you, come up with the solution, not you coming up with a solution for them. So then they are part of the solution to help fix it. I mean, I've gone down a lot of time where I could have took, you know, their problems off their shoulders and put it on mine. I'm not taking the monkey off your shoulder. I want you to keep the monkey on your shoulders and me and you are going to come up with the solution together. Because when you do that and they're part of the solution, guess what? They're going to act on it. They're going to take action and they're going to go fix it. Now, I'm here for help and resources from the higher level, but I'm not going to take the monkey off your back. I want you to be able to take action on this from the solution me and you create together. Roger that. And uh, something as simple, I would think, and I'll just uh, get your reaction to this, uh, physical fitness. Um, I, I, I can encourage you. I can't change the standard, uh, and ultimately, if you're going to improve in that area, I can help, and I can give you advice, but you're going to have to make the choice to do it. I cannot take that monkey off of your back, and I can't I can't really make it any easier for you. You're going to have to be the one to decide to do it, but I'm here, and I'll, and I'll push you the whole way uh, and help. So let's let's kind of go back in time a little bit more and talk about uh, your development as a leader in the non-commissioned officer corps, and just when when did this become apparent to you that developing and cultivating relationships is an effective way to lead? When when did you start to see that? Uh, at what point in your career did that start to become evident to you? Yeah, it, and as we get to understand how um, we develop as leaders, right? Um, so when you become that sergeant, it, you don't automatically go to, back then it was PLDC, now it's BLC. You don't automatically leave BLC and you're this great leader. 
it takes time to learn, right? And that's why it's very important for a sergeant to be a master of the craft and master of the fundamentals. Because he or she is the primary trainer for the master of the craft, master of the fundamentals. Because now we as squad leaders, between sergeants, first sergeants, are training you about leadership, right? And so there's a step. You go from there to staff sergeant and learn a little bit about more about leadership. And then you go to platoon sergeant and learn a little bit about more about leadership. And you continue up, right? As you talk about tactical, you talk about operational, and you talk about um, strategic levels, right? But each one, you're learning about leadership. But really where I got the light bulb finally went on about leadership because I was not a good sergeant. I wasn't a good staff sergeant. Um, you know, you might even call it toxic leadership uh, is, or counterproductive leadership as we talk about nowadays, right? But when I was an E7 platoon sergeant, the light bulb clicked on and I started understanding the word care and what that meant. And I learned that from some good squad leaders that I had at Fort Carson, Colorado. Um, they sat me down and talked to me and said, hey, hey, trust us that we can do stuff. Give us the information, give us guidance, and let us go. And the light bulb clicked on. I was like, wow, wow. Yeah, he's exactly right. You know, and so when I did that, and I continue to do that nowadays, I mean, you're talking about trust. You're talking about empowerment. You're talking about giving them guidance to let them make things happen. Now, the one thing everyone has to remember, though, is, hey, you've got to inspect what you expect. So when I give guidance out, I trust them. I empower them that they're going to take action and make it happen. But guess what? I'm still going to inspect what I expect because maybe, maybe, you know, hey, they're going down a different road than I thought they were going to go down. So guess what? I'm going to send them down and be like, hey, why did you go down this way instead of going this way? Because I thought we'd go this way. Well, you know, A, B, and C. That's why I went this way. I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense, right? I don't, I don't, Try to tailor that. Now, if it's totally wrong, then I'll be like, hey, it's probably better to go this way, and that's the reason why. But we automatically want to go down and say, hey, you need to shift. Instead of talking to them, asking questions, why did something happen, and why are you doing it that way? Because guaranteed, they, you know, they're doing something. You, you just need to find out why they did it that way instead of the way you thought it should be done because their way – it's just as effective in getting it done, right? Um, but we, you know, sometimes we don't do that sitting down, again, being empathetic, coming to their shoes, asking them questions, why did they do it? Instead, we automatically, you know, want to get upset and, you know, chew butt, which, you know, we shouldn't do it. That's not doing any good. That's shutting people off when you do that. Um, instead, you got to hear them you gotta have active listening and you gotta ask questions to see why they went down the direction and then you you and him or her develop hey okay we need to go this way instead or hey your plan was good that's awesome maybe you might want to tweak it this way from my experiences type of deal so it took me about 10 years in the military uh a platoon song where i started you know really understanding about leadership uh, is a relationship building, inspiration, trust, serving and caring for others in that word care. Uh, so it took me about 10 years to really understand leadership. And I think what you're saying is that people, people have to go through some kind of a, an experience or an event where mm -hmm. maybe they've been humbled a little bit, and then they go back to either platoon sergeant or first sergeant and say, this didn't work out the way I thought it would. 
would you please look at what I did and, and kind of give me some, a little bit of feedback about what I did and maybe what I didn't do correctly. And they'll listen at that point after they've been humbled a little bit. Yeah. It, I think you bring up a good point there and that goes back to the word trust, right? So is my team leader squad, leader, just say I'm doing sorry, is my team leader and squad leader, do they trust me that they are going to come back to me, provide me feedback or to give me, Hey, this is what I've done. And they trust that you are going to help them uh, point them in the right direction. If they have a question, but you're going to accept some of that feedback, right. And be humble and say, okay, yep. I, j- I jacked that one up. Right. I mean, I even do it nowadays. If I jack something up, I, t- I tell all the song majors, yep. I jacked that one up. Sorry about that. Here's the here's the way we need to do things, right? I misread something, or I looked at something wrong, or I put something out that was wrong. I'm all about humble myself because no one's perfect, and that's how we learn to get better. Is you know saying, "Hey, yep, I jacked it up. I will fix it, and it won't happen again." And if I, if there's trust between uh, leader and led, then the person who's being led. It trusts that leader to come in and, and be candid and honest and open their heart to them and say, here's the, here's the issue, here's what happened, help me out, help me out a little bit. And if there's not trust, then that, the person who's being led, they will do anything they can and say anything that they can to not uh, look bad uh, in, in front of that leader, even to the point of being uh, deceptive or deceitful. And they try to cover up mistakes and things, and that just that just opens mm-hmm. up a whole a whole world of uh, absolutely uh, dreadful uh, circumstances in an organization when people don't trust their leaders enough to come to them and be and be honest and candid with them. No, I, I totally agree. And it, you said a good word is about opening up their heart. Right. Um, And, you know, as we talk about being authentic, we tend to speak from our brain. You want to be authentic and you want to be caring and you want to open up and be authentic. Speak from the heart. Right. Say, I trust you. Thank you. I appreciate everything you're doing. That's speaking from the heart. And be authentic about it. I'm telling you one thing, you talk about some powerful words that, that you know, soldier were like, wow, that's a caring leader. Uh, he understands it. And he's here to help me out or she's here to help me out. Again, that's building the trust. That's building the relationship that they will come and see me and talk to me uh, in the future if they need some help. Or, you know, they can come and provide me feedback and I listen and I'm like, that's great advice. I appreciate that. I, I got I to gotta correct myself. Thank you very much. When you do stuff like that, I mean, that's huge. You're like, hey, I just, I just made a correction on the Sergeant Major, right? Or, you know, I gave him feedback, and, and he listened to me. He heard me, uh, and he, you know, appreciated my advice because then that's going to build his or her confidence in the future when they become leaders to understand, hey, to be humble because guess what we have to do? Set the example for others to follow. I'd like to ask you about a, a vignette. This this happened to me when I was a uh, young company commander. It's a long time ago. <laughs> this is 1989. And um, my first sergeant was a Vietnam veteran, First Sergeant Farrell. He was a great non-commissioned officer. But 
Long story short, soldier was found asleep during CQ. They're supposed to, you know, be awake all night. And uh, this soldier was found asleep. First sergeant came in, said he, he needs to, you're going to have to give him an Article 15 for that. Okay. He said, and I recommend this, 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 and this. He said, and you need to take a stripe away from him. He was an E3. And I kind of thought, and I was brand, I'd, I'd been in command for maybe a month. And I kind of thought, it's a good, you know, the old saying, it's quote unquote a good soldier. And he was a good soldier. Uh, but I, I kind of thought in that a little harsh in my mind. And then I didn't say that, but the first sergeant said, you need to take a stripe. And he said, it'll probably be the best thing for him. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. Uh, how can taking a stripe away from, from a soldier uh, and the money they're going to lose and all that, how can that be the best thing uh, for him? So what do you think about that? What, can you just, in terms of leadership, why that would have been the approach uh, of that first sergeant at that time? You know, obviously I can't, uh, you know, go into his body and his mind, uh, but the way I, I would approach that, uh, first is, you know, you, you catch a soldier and then you talk to them. Okay, why are you sleeping? It is not natural for a body to stay up 24 hours. We all know that. We all know that. Right. Um, so, you know, just ask him, hey, hey, you knew what the policy is. Why? Why were you sleeping? And maybe he or she will tell you, hey, you know, I'm I'm having some, you know, marriage issues at home and I'm not getting a lot of sleep or, hey, I'm having problems sleeping, you know, uh, you know. And so then you're learning the situation instead of automatically assuming what the situation is. Asking those questions to find out why that soldier went to sleep. And maybe, maybe the sergeant CQ said he could go to sleep. <laughs> maybe, right? But, you know, and so you got to ask them questions. You got to understand the situation before you and he or you can make a solution. I mean, you don't know the situation in case you're asking them questions. So I'm all about asking questions. Believe me, there's tons of stuff that go wrong. And I always, you know, when I go to the Sergeant Major, just ask them questions. Hey, why did this happen, you know, and, and what's going on with it? Explain it to me. And they'll explain it to me because they're doing stuff, right? And I've got to understand that they're doing stuff. And, again, that's a development moment for me and him or me and her to help them either correct their course of action or, like, okay, you're, you're going down the right path uh, with this because what happened in the past happened. There's nothing you're going to do about it, right? You only can anticipate the future. The only thing you can control is what's now in here, how it's going on, right? But we've got to figure out what happened in that situation before we can assess and be able to get that solution. Um, and, you know, here, here at JBLM, we let our soldiers go to sleep at night, right? You know, when the, the – um, Policy letter says, hey, there's got to be one person up at all times, roving around, patrolling. You know, if you want to put your CQ runner down for a couple hours, you can do that because it's not natural to be up 24 hours. And that has really helped us out, in, um, you know, with our barracks, uh, you know, going any nefarious activities and like that. But, you know, getting that person to allow them to go to sleep is okay. Uh, but, you know, we've got to ask questions before we automatically make solutions uh, about the situation. And we might we might find out if we start peeling that onion back that 
uh, that soldier was doing that for the second night in a row because somebody was uh, incapable of managing the <laughs> schedule. Sometimes that happens, and mm-hmm. it's the soldier's fault, but it's not the soldier's fault because they're just being human. And if you make me do this uh, too often, you know, this is what's going to happen. And so, uh, Sergeant Major, I, wa- I wanted to talk to you today a little bit more about uh, Army civilians. And I- I'm a member of the Army Civilian Corps, and I know that uh, when you were in SCP, you worked with the civilians there. And I'm assuming that uh, where you're at now, that there's a, there's a large number of, of uh, Army civilians that uh, support uh, the mission of First Corps. And so the question is, how have you seen the role of Army civilians change in the years that you've been associated with the Army? Yeah, I don't, I don't know if it changed much because as you're coming up into formation, I don't think you really start dealing with civilians. Um, right until I was about a first sergeant, maybe a platoon sergeant, maybe a platoon sergeant, I, I started dealing with some. Um, but, you know, as we talk about in the Army, people first. People first. And guess what? Army civilians of people, just like we're people. <laughs> we might wear different uniforms right now, but we're people. So dealing with a soldier, dealing with a leader, I deal with the civilians the same way because we're all people. Right? I build relationships with them. Uh, you know, when you know, I was a sergeant, when I was a first sergeant, um, and continuing up as SAR major, one thing I always did when I went to units, I'd go around and all the Army programs, uh, shoots, I'd, I'd go into buildings just to talk to them. If I didn't know what was in that building, I would see a sign and be like, I have no idea what that is. I'll go in there and talk to them. And I would go in and just talk to the civilians in there because a lot of the programs are run by civilians. And just, you know, and they are all about helping. I'll be like, hey, you know, I'm serving first class Carnes. You know, I'm new to Fort Carson, Colorado. I'm just, you know, I'm trying to figure out exactly what you all do. I'm not quite sure, you know, humble myself, right? And they are more than happy to sit you down and explain what they do and how they can support your organization. It's amazing. And guess what? I'm building the relationship. I'm building the relationship with them because guess what? Next time when I need something, I just get on the phone and say, hey, David, this is uh, uh, Sean over here at, uh, you know, 1-8 Infantry. You remember me? Oh, yeah, what's going on, Sean? How you doing, right? And then, hey, well, how can I help you? I'm in. And they will help you out in a heartbeat because I built the relationship. But we also have to maintain the relationship. So you can't just go over to one time. Hey, you got to, you know, when you have an opportunity, go back over and see them. Hey, just stop it in. You know, I was in the area and just see how are you doing, everything like that. Hey, I'm doing good. Um, so, you know, I I love Army civilians. I think they do a great thing, and they're part of the people. We are one organization, and it's dealing with people. Army civilians, we have soldiers, we have leaders, we have spouses. We're all people. And so we got to treat them a similar uh, cases because we're people having conversations, building relationships with them, turn the trust, inspiration, serving and caring for others. And so, um, we have something called the CES program, the civilian education system. And if you think about the kind of development, even, even you yourself, but anyone who, uh, puts on the uniform and signs up to be a soldier, 
the the professional development at each grade at each stage of where you're this you're this rank so you go to this school you're that rank you go here you go there and then you know the SCP program and so we're we are trying to uh, build uh, a powerful CES program for Army civilians. I won't say we're trying to do the same thing that is in PME, but we're trying to uh, develop a a professionalism in our uh, Army Civilian Corps uh, to where we're we're one body and we are professionals. And so, w- why for you do you think that's important for us to be inculcated with leadership and and maybe even little things like the heritage? Uh, of the Army. Why do you think those things would be important for those of us who are uh, Army civilians? Well, I think everyone needs to be developed. I mean, you, you know, you go out in the civilian world, uh, they have uh, a lot of the corporations have development programs uh, to teach you about leadership. Because you, you're, not, you're not born a leader, right? As they say, you're taught to be a leader. And there's an art and a science to leadership. Um, and again, same thing, civilian. Say they never served in the military. You know, they come into an organization, and even in the military or outside the military, you don't automatically jump in to become a manager. You don't jump in and automatically become a leader, right? You've got to learn your craft first. You've got to learn the craft, whatever that is that you're going to. Even if you have a bachelor's degree, right, in your or master's degree, you still got to learn the craft of that organization, all the policies and everything that's going on in the organization, how to teach, things like that, right? So you've got to learn the organization. You've got to learn your craft. Then hey, we're going to put you in a manager spot, and that's where you go to your first level of uh, PME uh, in the Army, and you all obviously have the you know uh, education, the first level for the managers. So you know that is where they're taught about leadership part about being a manager, a leader, right? And same thing with us. But we always have to remember, just because I go that first level, don't mean, hey, when I graduate, <laughs> I'm an expert. That's not the way it works, right? That's why, same thing you all have, you have like a chain of command. We have a chain of command that there's someone above you, right? To be a good leader, you got to be a good follower, right? So lead, leader, and led. So there's a leader above me that mentors me, and I'm a continuous learner. So I think you're developed every single day in the military. Every single day you learn. Uh, same thing with the civilians. They have great leaders over top of them. They helps develop them to one day to be at that position, if that's your goal. Right? If that's your goal, to do that. Um, or your goal might be something else. But that leader above you is helping you lead you in the right direction. But you got to go through some of that PME to learn the science. Right? Like BLC, uh, ALC, SLC are teaching you about the science. Really, you're learning about the art, uh, the art of leadership in your organization as operational development. Those through experience, through failure, and, and everyone has to understand it's okay to fail. If you've earned that trust with your people, they will have no problem in failing because they know that you're going to be there for them. Pick them up, dust them off, care for them. Wow pair and point them in the right direction right same thing in the civilian right you go that first one that's teaching about the the science of it but it's not teaching the art the art is learned at your organization and then they help you get better at at the art of it and the last the very last thing that i want to talk to you about uh today is something i 
I hear people, I used to hear this a lot when I was in the classroom with Army civilians in the intermediate course, they struggle with, and it is it's delegation. And it sounds very simple. You just delegate a task to somebody and they go do it. But it is way more dynamic and complex than that. And so just what is the value of delegation and what does it look like when it's done effectively? Yeah, that that is that is difficult. I mean, it took me it took me again a while to understand delegation and what that means. Obviously, you know, there's some empowerment and there's some trust before you can delegate. I think you know, as I was growing up as an E5 and E6, I didn't delegate at all. I was, you know, um, I did everything on my own and and made things happen. Um, because I didn't, you know, understand that delegation. I didn't understand that empowerment. Didn't understand that trust. Didn't understand that caring stuff until I was about E seven. Again, when I had some good squad leaders come and humble me um, to help me out, where I started thinking about, I was like, wow, I've got, I've got to start empowering them. I got to trust them. I got to delegate stuff to them. When you delegate, you're also empowering them, right? So I delegate something to them, I give them guidance, but I'm empowering them to go out and execute the guidance that I just gave them. And again, remember that, hey, you still got to inspect what you expect. You can't just say, hey, go make it happen. No, 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 no. You got to go out there and inspect what you expect. Uh, But then you also have to get, you know, sit reps, going out and talking to them. Hey, everything's good. Do you need any help? You run into some obstacles, you know, some roadblocks. Do you need me to help undo some of them obstacles or provide you resources, right? Um, so delegation is difficult um, as first as you're because you're learning about leadership. Um, but it took me, to, again, probably until about knee seven, 10 years in the military to understand that empowerment, to understand that it's okay to delegate, to trust, uh, to understand that caring for people. And de- delegation is kind of two things. Correct me if I'm wrong, if you agree with this. Number one, it's it's developing those subordinates. So they, they learn how to do the job if I'm not there, if I get sick or if I get called away uh, or whatever the case might be because people can't always be where they think they're going to be. So it's number one, it's developing those subordinates. Number two, the way I kind of, I've always looked at it, it frees me up. Uh, to do maybe higher level things or or maybe more important things uh, or that it frees me up so that I'm not burning myself out so that I, I'm nothing but a, uh, a burned up old cinder at the end of it. Because <laughs> like you said, I, I if I do everything that I know I'm going to get an A-plus product because I'm going to work myself silly making sure that it's done that way. And uh, leaders, correct me if I'm wrong, leaders who do that, uh, they're not serving their subordinates and they are ineffective themselves because they're just kind of burning themselves out. No, you're spot on with that. I mean, especially with the delegation um, is a development piece of that because you're giving them tasks to do. And we should be, you know, developing somebody to take your position every single day. So you should have a primary and an alternate because you never know what's going to happen to me or you tomorrow. And who's that person that you're developing to sit in your seat and be able to hold the, you know, the 
the army down or the organization down if something happens to you. Because guess what? The army keeps rolling along. The army keeps rolling along. It's not going to stop. So, you know, delegation is definitely getting them developed, right? Um, you've got to make sure when you delegate, you give proper guidance. Give them enough information to be able to execute it, right? Some people say give them, you know, not a lot of guidance so they can. I think you have to give them guidance so they understand how to execute it. Now, they figure out how, but you're giving them enough guidance so they can come up with decisions and the path to go with that delegation, that task, uh, and that guidance that you give them so they understand your intent behind it, right, to go make things happen. But you're definitely developing them. Again, and then you have to inspect what you expect. It's okay if they fail. Then you go down and you, you have a discussion. You ask questions. You pick them up. You dust them off, point them in the right direction, or maybe what they're doing uh, was going in the right direction, and you just thought it should have went this direction. But it's okay to fail, and you got to give them that confidence. As we talk about confidence, too, right? We're building confidence when you delegate somebody. You're like, hey, some major gave me a task to do, right? And gave me guidance. I'm going to go out and execute this perfection. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> if it's not perfect, that's okay. It's okay if you fail, and you got to give them that information up front. If you fail, it's okay, right? This is how we're going to learn together to get better. Because I'm also going to learn that maybe I didn't provide enough right guidance, right, to them to be able to execute the task. So I'm learning, too, hey, if he or she failed, hey, maybe I didn't give the proper guidance to you. Sorry. So I'm learning at the same time as he or she is. Yes, and sometimes it's feedback for that senior leader's communication skills, uh, well, this is what I thought I wanted. Obviously, I didn't. If I didn't, if that's not what I got. Maybe it's because I wasn't clear about that. Um, and and that phrase, yeah, the army keeps rolling along. That phrase is uh, so true that we we have it in the army song, and th- <laughs> yeah. that is true. The sun comes up, tomorrow will come, and the army will keep rolling along, uh, regardless of what happens. We'll we will keep keep at it, keep chopping wood, and. Oh, man. Um, and so, uh, Command Sergeant Major Sean Carnes, I really do appreciate uh, your insight. I appreciate you as a leader and the things that you've done for the Army. Uh, you're, you're highly respected, highly decorated, and um, I know that our Leader Up audience has benefited from, from hearing you. And so, I just want to thank you uh, for giving up your time, very valuable time, uh, that you have as the first Corps Command Sergeant Major. Thank you for joining us today on Leader Up. Thank you very much. No, thank you very much, David, for having me uh, on Leader Up. And I, I look to uh, continue to spread the word about leadership and, you know, how can we together in the Army make the Army better. Roger that. And uh, Leader Up audience, so what what did we talk about today with uh, Command Sergeant Major Carnes that really resonates in you. What have you learned today that's going to help you be be better in the Army and help you serve uh, soldiers and Army civilians better? And uh, please contact us. Give us some feedback about this episode and any other episode that you might have listened to. And join us again for another episode of Leader Up. As always, if you have any questions or feedback or would like to learn more about our podcast, please check the description for our email and for our website. Thanks for listening.